Hi everyone and welcome to the Raw Show with Michael McDonnell and I have a very special guest. We've got Rosa Lokaising with us today. Thank you for joining me on the show, Rosa. It's nice to see you. So nice to be here and to be invited, Michael. It's my pleasure. And Rosa is a coach, a facilitator, a speaker with connecting you she's spent over the last 30 years in many different positions settling on recruiting and employment consulting which have the opportunity to work with several fortune 500 companies and business owners and she learned that networking is a skill required by everyone in order to, to benefit them so she created effective networking strategies working with individuals and groups in the work that she does and she believes that networking is not just a skill, it is a lifestyle. So, Rosa, I'd like to start with, with your background. So, would you be able to share with me and our listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Okay, thanks. I absolutely love talking about my hometown. I was born in the beautiful paradise island of Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, you hear us say two names because we have a sister island called Tobago, which is really a little paradise. It's all beaches and it's all resorts. And that's where everybody goes for a weekend or to hang out for a, a week's holiday. And um, today we have uh, a lot of Europeans and uh, international people actually residing in Tobago. So Trinidad is the main island where business happens. And uh, growing up, I realized that it, it's a real community-oriented um, environment that we grow up in. So I was born in a family of 10 kids, seven girls and three boys. Right, and, wow. Yeah. And I was smack dab in the middle. So you can well imagine why I speak a lot now when I do um, presentations because being in the middle, you get kind of lost and uh, you kind of need to put your hand up to, to get a word in. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it was, it was we, we had uh, real connectivity with the businesses in, in, in the village, with the um, all the cultural associations. So everybody knew your name, you know? And, uh, you know, growing up with that and then moving into high school where, again, I, I lived in a boarding school, um, uh, a community of about 60 females because it was um, girls only. Right. Again, it was all very community-oriented you know, got into all the explorers, girl guides and all that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, always took part in growing a local community. And it seems that's something that stayed with me. So um, in, in Trinidad, I actually um, ended up go, going to work right after high school because we had such a big family. And uh, I wanted to support my parents because I saw the struggle that they were going through financially to take care of 10 kids. And uh, work, my dad worked late uh, till about 11 at night. We didn't see him until that time. And my mom worked all day, of course, at home. 
And I saw two really hardworking people who never complained one day in their life about how much they had to do for 10 kids. And so, Michael, I wanted to just go and help them as soon as I left high school. So I started work real early. How old are you when you first started? I was 17. Right, wow. So it, it seems like you've been, you've been around people, so to speak, from a very, a very early age. So just from family to, to being in a, a school that was heavily focused on community. I mean, how, how do you think that, that translated into, into what happened next? Um, I, it really, it really did have an impact, um, because I got to focus on others and get away from my own worries and concerns really early in life. And it made me so much happier and in, in felt included in a, in a bigger world because I saw that what I was worrying about was nothing different to what other people were worrying about. And very quickly, I, I, I saw the value in helping others so that we become stronger as a group and uh, not have to, to wilt away in our loneliness and our sadness and our, our, our fears and worries. You know, and so in boarding school, we played a lot of games. Every Friday night, we would do a sing-song, we would do games. And even in my upbringing at home, my dad would and uh, mom would sit us together. Uh, we, would, we didn't have TV, so we sang. He had us perform, you know, doing um, little theatrical shows, singing, dancing. And so we knew that every Friday night was a fun night, and it was a group night. And so, so being in groups was a big deal for me, and I absolutely loved it. I, I heard my mom tell stories that since I was two years old, actually, um, she would put me, they had a grocery, and in Trinidad, the way groceries are done, um, it's not here like in this very formalized way. So it's a big, long counter, and, and, and the customers line up, and you serve them their groceries. And so she just set me up on the counter, and I would be using a pen and paper, drawing and writing and talking to the customers. She said she never had to worry about me one day. So. Right. Wow. <laughs> so so it, it seemed like you, because you've been around people a lot, just from, just from that early age and the things that you just mentioned there, did, do you have any... Did you have to, to use any like strategies for getting along with, with your siblings? And, or I guess as well, I mean, as a side note to that, there's this element of, was there anything that your, your parents did that, that you remember that allowed them to, to have a, a large family and to allow you all to, to get along if you did get along? Oh, absolutely. Um, we were taught to share everything. You know, it didn't matter how small a piece of, um, you know, uh, cake was. If there was somebody around, please share. You know, there's always enough. Um, they would do that themselves. They would take one, if, if they just had one piece of cake left, they would cut it up into 10 pieces if we were around. And we, and we loved it. Um, so we grew up knowing the value of, uh, sharing and and the difference it made to making someone else happy 
and uh, I understood the value of um, the, the, the process of happiness was not just um, focusing on me, but it had a lot to do with how I interact with others around me because my environment, my space also um, determines how I feel. And so if, if I were selfish and, and didn't share or didn't do anything, I mean, naturally that would exclude me from, um, from a, a group and it would, be, it, it would be, the whole environment would change. So this whole thing about sharing was a big deal and, and helping others. And the same thing happened in boarding school. Um, it was always about helping someone else um, climb up the ladder first and you can be right behind them. So it just always came back to you. You didn't do it so that it comes back, but it always seemed to happen that way. And, and I never felt alone. Um, the only time I felt a little bit alone was when I was ready to go to bed. And as a young girl, I was, I mean, 10 and a half to 11 when I started boarding school. And uh, as a young person, going to bed alone, you know, at night, you missed your parents, right? So that was about the only time. But the rest of the time, as long as there were um, activities to do and uh, people to work with and to build projects together and make something happen, you know, so we were always um, doing activities to create something for the community. So like something bigger. And it took us out of our own personal living environment into going out into the community and create a fundraising event. So again, we saw joy spread. And it was it, it, it really seemed to be the focus of my life about doing whatever I can to make others around me happy, smile. Um, it, it, to me, that was the most important thing and the value it had on making someone else happy. Because when I was in high school, there was um, one of my classmates who was very sad and lonely, and I didn't know how deep her loneliness went until one day she tried to commit suicide. Wow. And I was one of the only ones who went to the hospital to see her because the other girls stayed away because they were afraid. I don't know why. But I went and I talked with her. And I was about 13 then. And I remember the impact it had on me um, and, and how important I felt it was for somebody to be there to hold her hand and say, you're going to get through this and you have us you have me, you have us to help you through this and you don't have to go there anymore. You know, we can do this together. Mm. Well, there's, there's a lot that you, you mentioned there that it sparked a lot of, a lot of avenues and a lot of questions in me that I'd like to ask, but I want to backtrack a little bit and ask my, my first one that I came up with, which was, was this something that your parents encouraged or was this some this idea of, of sharing is is caring and always sharing all the time was this something that your parents instilled and then after that how did that impact your your boarding school life because i would imagine unless you're with the the same or similar people when you were in boarding school that there's a different there's a different culture moving from one environment to the next so how so firstly was it something that you did by yourself this idea of, of sharing 
or was it from your parents? And the second question that sort of came from that is, did that change when you changed your environment and moved to, to boarding school? Um, very good question, Michael. I actually believe it's a combination of two things. I don't think it was only my parents. I know my parents had um, an effect on me when it came to sharing because they were basic uh, lessons that they taught all of us. And, um, but I also looked at um, my other siblings who attended boarding school and who we grew up with. And everybody did not handle boarding school the way I did. We all did it differently. One of my sisters actually left after a year. She couldn't handle it. And, um, you know, another one of my sisters, um, it, she it didn't get as involved as I did. So I think that further, but, but yet, yes, I know that that uh, idea of sharing was in them. But as far as the community piece and really getting involved with community and, and getting other people engaged and connected, I think that was definitely just my, my personality type. And um, I, I saw that over and over as I continued to grow up into adulthood that um, no matter where we go, I could not be happy if I saw um, somebody glum in a corner sitting or a child crying and nobody attending to the child or something, that, that I felt the importance of that environment, that space that I was hanging out in, that if I could contribute anything at all to make it its optimum level, that it was my responsibility to do so. And uh, so the idea of responsibility was very high as a child. Um, and at one point, I, it, it became uh, so much that I started to worry at about 13 years old, you know, about all kinds of things, financial and otherwise. And so, um, but, but having said that, at, at 13 years old, I was selected by 60 girls in boarding school to be what we call the head of house. And uh, I was a little surprised because they usually select somebody from the higher form. We had form one to five and I was in form three and I was selected to be head of house. And that was very interesting. And uh, I was also voted the most helpful student in boarding school. And to me, it wasn't any effort, Michael. It was, it was just how I lived. It was just something I loved doing something that you've done for for that long it just sort of came natural to you in in that environment as well yes yes because even in 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 elementary school i was asked to be prefect of the class um and i was always staying after school helping others with their homework or doing things like that and then getting home and getting mine done hmm. okay so what there is this this difference. I mean, there's there's two things that that springs to my mind with that, and that the first one is how do you see things happening now, whereby there's this idea of of giving, but then you you're in this habit and this this mental attitude of you give, and then the return happens without you expecting the return. 
Mm-hmm. So how how do you think that plays into it? And also, what what do you see happening now with this idea of well, I'm not going to do anything unless unless I get the return that I want afterwards. Um, so it's sort of comparing the the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So 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 comparing this idea of not expecting a return but then getting the return mm-hmm. but then not doing the thing in case you know you know or should we say unless you do get a return mm-hmm. well i i actually see and witness that often enough where um some people um they have an agenda for everything and it's like, okay, if there is n- listening to the WIIFM station, if there is nothing in it for me, if I can't see what's in it for me, I don't see the point in me doing it. Um, and uh, they live their life that way. And it obviously works for them because that's how they've chosen to live their life. But then again, um, the conversation changes when things don't go their way. So there's a disgruntlement and there's an upset and uh, there's that piece of disappointment if ever uh, they do something and they didn't get something in return. So expectations are very high when you're living in that plane, in that dimension. Um, And when expectation is very high, disappointment is very high. And so it sort of becomes a lifestyle after a while. So... It, it, it's very difficult to get to a place um, of, of, of maintaining a happy place, you know, uh, because then we don't know what other people are thinking and how they are going to respond. So by doing everything with an expectation, I find it, I, I would find that very stressful. Um, and, and, and to me, that is sort of a roller coaster, would be a roller coaster ride for me. Um, I have found the people that do things because they have a bigger goal in mind. They have a bigger picture of how their world or the world should be by, by having a more inclusive environment and offering networking contacts and offering their places for events and doing all of that they tend to get a lot more coming back to them because they're not really um, sitting there with a pen and paper writing down what's the outcome going to be all the time. Now, in business, we know we have to have a business plan. You know, let's not forget that. But we're talking about everyday life and being that same person as an entrepreneur as you are personally. In everyday life, those um, people and myself who simply give away connections, give away uh, some free time for a talk show, um, for a presentation, the, the return on that investment is much more pleasant and much higher because people are actually now wanting to refer you. They're actually calling to for you to do another presentation at an entrepreneurial conference because somebody heard your talk and would like you to be referred to so-and-so. Um, so the, to me, there's a natural flow of activity that comes out of being generous and accommodating other people without knowing what's in it for you. Yeah, that, that, that does make sense. I mean, there's this, 
there's this way of of getting the return even though you don't expect it. So how how would you suggest people try to to employ this then? So if you think, okay, if it was something that, that you could recommend for someone to mm-hmm. to go down this path. So wanting to be more generous with their time, wanting to to do more things for other people and then you, you you sort of mentioned before that having this high expectation and not doing things unless you get a return mm-hmm. is how how would you go about helping people understand that that isn't that isn't helpful in terms of your your internal pleasure then? Mm-hmm. A great great question. Um, I would I would actually ask them to you know, first, you know, look at their state of mind on a day-to-day basis and, you know, see, really get a sense of how they can gauge their level of of joy and happiness and, uh, you know, have them really address that first to see the level that they're operating at. And when they reveal that to themselves or they uncover that to themselves, it's only then that you can... any one of us can actually start making suggestions or recommendations on how you can experience more joy on a daily basis. And, and that to understand that in order to truly contribute to the world, that the joy has to come from internal inside of us first. Um, because unless we are fulfilled and we are joyful and we are happy people, we can't really share any of that to anyone we may be great experts at a certain topic you know great content but did that client walk away with any desire to implement that work as enthusiastically as you would like them or was something missing so in order to have people be um, influenced by what you are sharing with them, work-wise or otherwise, it's really important to set the tone yourself and to be able to do that. There are many, many, many different ways in which we can do that. And it doesn't always surround um, um, money in the first meeting or in the first instant. It could be volunteering. For example, um, I just heard two nights ago that one of my uh, Facebook friends is holding an event for International Men's Day. And I know we have International Women's Day, but I've never heard of International Men's Day. And I got really excited when I saw that because I know a lot of heart-centered businessmen. And I feel that um, we've come a long way and we don't need to have the um, 70% of businesses focus on women only and exclude men. I'd like to bring back that relationship uh, in business between men and women and have more events um, integrated. So when I saw that, I got so excited. I texted her right away and I said, hey, what's happening? How are you doing? How is this coming along? I just heard about it. I'm really excited that you're doing this. I'm definitely going to send this out to a bunch of people and be there myself. And then I texted her again and I said, well, by the way, do you need any volunteers? Because I know that this is a big event. And she was thrilled. She said, oh my gosh, Rose, are you willing to volunteer? And I said, yes, absolutely. She said, that's great. And if you know of anybody, would you please bring them with you? 
And so I found one other person, and I'm going to volunteer as a greeter. Now, I just made the organizer of that event really happy because nine out of ten times, people don't tend to offer. They wait to be asked to do things. Mm. Yeah. And my natural tendency is to offer. And uh, I've been warned by my family and judged and criticized sometimes. You know, Rosa, why do you always offer to give people a ride? Why don't you just wait to be asked? You, you get yourself so busy and so tired. And, and that was not my concern. It was theirs, right? Mm, and, yeah, and yeah. One of the ways is volunteering when there you but the, the benefits I already know the benefits, even if I didn't write it down. I know that just being in that environment, hearing the speakers talk about the value of um, heart centered businessmen in our space and, and the value that men bring to our world, um, you know, and it's going to lift me up and, and bring me more awareness as to where these heart-centered businessmen are and how we can get more of them working with women's groups and, and expanding that whole circle as a more integrated group. I already know the expanse and the possibilities are there. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I'm joyful just knowing that it's going to be a, a room full of possibilities. Right. So that's just one example. It's like you can volunteer to do things, um, even though you just heard about it the night before. You can offer to um, give somebody a ride, even though, you know, you have to get up early in the morning. Um, but just giving that person a ride gives you the opportunity to have a nice personal conversation with them and get to know them in a way that you wouldn't have. And just getting to know that one person, you have no idea of the influences that person may have in your life. None whatsoever. And I think we prejudge too often and we like things nice and tidy. And so unless it's not boxed and labeled and then handed to you, you don't feel that need or desire to reach out and make something happen. And honestly, it's, it's by really extending yourself to a place where you're not e expecting one thing special for you to happen. Um, another instance is when I heard of this talk show host who I'm working with now, when I heard that she was doing the talk show that she was doing for the last two years, I got so excited. I started, she asked me to get on her show. I wasn't ready. And I said, well, listen, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'll make sure I refer somebody great. And I never leave a spot open. So I did. And guess what? The person who I referred to her is now running aside another talk show alongside her at that TV station. She was that good. And since then, I've referred three or four more people on a talk show host, on a talk show. Um, and uh, so that's why she reached out to me when she left and she said, Rosa, you've contributed so much to me. I haven't been able to give you anything back. I'd like you to be you to be on the talk, the talk show with me that I'm creating. Never expected that. No. So it, this is, this is kind of like, it's almost like everything happens for a reason. So like it's, 
it's like you, you keep giving, right, which, which is fine. You know, mm-hmm. I've got nothing against it. It's something that, that I'm a, a believer in to a certain extent as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like the return happens in, in the ways that you least expect it, which I think is quite, is quite interesting. And you mentioned that you're not, you're not attached to the how you want to be returned as well, which I think is also very, very, it's, it's strange to hear it. But I also understand it at the same time. So, like, if you if you do things, but the return is also not what you expect or not what you would hope, then that's you kind of attaching to, you know, the actual return that you get. Mm-hmm. But you you saying that you you do things, you you refer people, you do, you do this, that, and the other thing, and mm-hmm. then you get something in return that yeah, you didn't really plan for, you didn't. Like hope for you didn't necessarily want you know for mm-hmm. you might have you never know, mm-hmm. but it, it's this lack of attachment to the return which I find quite quite interesting and quite good really I guess for, for want of a better expression. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned you mentioned being tired. You mentioned potentially, or this was your 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 family and friends, wasn't it? Saying that you might you might tire yourself out, you might burn yourself out doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious because this is something that I find is quite popular. Now, this is a little bit of a segue. It probably doesn't reflect in, in you personally, but it might be something that you've noticed in, in others. How would you say people-pleasing comes into this? So when we do things to please people, or do things, you know, there's this like selfish versus selfless kind of thing. And it seems to be a whole mesh of, of balancing acts between giving selflessly or giving selfishly. But then it's like, well, if you're people pleasing, how does that come into the whole, the whole idea? I mean, I, I understand I'm using lots of phrases now that are very complex like selfish versus selfless and people pleasing versus not and all of those types of things so what what are your thoughts on that well very interesting because i'll tell you um giving selflessly has nothing to do with people pleasing in my perception okay so i do not buy into the people pleasing philosophy at all so um, here's where um, people really are not aware of, of, you know, the differences in those who belong to every volunteer organization. You see them in every community photo. You see them everywhere. No, that's not me. Um, and, and then I hear all these um, heartaches that um, some of my friends experienced because uh, they went all out to help this friend of theirs with their husband and wife team and and uh, did so much. And then after 14 years, you know, or, or 10 years, you know, they've been hurt so badly. And I go, why have you been going all out to that extent when you've seen these behaviors of abuse? I don't get it. So for me, what I, 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 I think people get confused when I talk about giving selflessly and, and being a community-oriented person that is concerned about uh, growing, thriving business communities and just communities in general um, and everybody taking responsibility. It does not take away from you 
being aware of who you are and uh, what you stand for and what your values and beliefs are and the fact that we are respecting each other and valuing each other as human beings. I think it's really, really important for people to get that definition. And um, the earlier we get that, the easier it is to be able to say no. As a matter of fact, in my workshops, it's one of the points uh, that I talk about, and it's saying no is a beautiful word. But saying no with, 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 um, with sincerity and with, um, with grace and uh, with love and with, with a little bit of communication. So it's not just, no, I can't do that. Hmm. It's, you know, I would really love to help you. However, that's not something that I can spend my time on at the moment as I'm already involved in this. Um, and my days are really packed. So I would, I would, it would be unfair for me to say yes for me to join you on that. So, right. so, so how would you, because obviously this is something, because people pleasing is something that comes up in conversations around around taking actions that help others and do things for others that take away from yourself and what you mm -hmm. mentioned there was this idea of of finding the balance and finding the things to say yes to and the things to say no to and saying it in a in a constructive way in in, in a very honest way obviously because if yes. you're saying no for a for a good reason like you know yes. we, 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 we tend to not use because in a lot of our conversations now which i think it's now one of the most underused words that, that i see now mm -hmm. um but how would you suggest people make the distinction between what to say yes to and what to say no to well, Michael, that's a really um, interesting question because the truth is that is not a quick fix. That takes years and years of work on understanding what assertiveness means. And if someone is not being assertive and does not know themselves and their boundaries, then uh, that's going to be a lifetime lesson that they'd have to learn. And it's really difficult to teach people in a workshop how to say no. Um, but we the way we, I touch on it is really asking them to look at their priorities and look at their values and, and look at the outcomes and then measure all those things and look at how they actually feel uh, during the course of a day. And uh, then what, what happens at the end of the day if you feel wasted? Even though I may be busy some days, I never feel wasted. I never feel used up or abused. My energy comes back soaring high the next morning as if, you know, I, I was never tired last night when I went to bed. And I, it's because of how it, it, it's, it's the thoughts and the mindset that you, you, you incorporate into your life that causes your energy level to be a certain way. So if in your mind you go to bed feeling resentful for something that you have said yes to, you wake up tired. But it's, it's learning to let go of all the mistakes that you made in a day and let go of everything that you did not like about you yesterday and start today each day afresh and anew and give yourself a new chance to live life the way you want it because that's what you would do for a best friend. You would never tell your best friend that, wow, you suck. You don't know how to do this and you'll never get over this. What's wrong with you? Mm. She'll never keep you as a friend. 
But if you were her best friend, you would tell her things like, oh, I understand. Um, that, was, that was a mistake you made. But, you know, you don't have to make the same mistake twice. Here's, you know, go rest. Have a good rest. Let it go. And start tomorrow fresh and make choices that would serve you. You know, and call me if you need any help. So the same thing you would do for yourself is you would talk to yourself gently. And in the morning when you wake up, you go, oh, wow. Hi, Rosa. Good morning. You know, you, you know I, I, I used to laugh at people saying they look in the mirror and say, hi, beautiful. But I realized it makes a difference. You know, look in the mirror and say, hi, beautiful. Good morning. You know, how are you today? And you laugh with yourself, at yourself, but you bring joy in that one second space before you go to the bathroom and brush your teeth. Right? Yeah. And, and so all these little things that you would do for your kids, for your friends, for your parents, for anybody that you care about are the same things you would do for yourself. And, and, and But to honor oneself, we need to honor ourselves and treat the divine in ourselves. I grew up as a Hindu, but being a Hindu in a religion is not the thing that got me to this thinking. It really is the philosophy behind the rituals that they did. It's, it's, it, it was not a religion. I never felt that I had to go to the temple every Sunday. I never felt I had to belong to a community and do certain things and serve that community no matter what. No, I was never forced into anything because my parents were, to me, very intelligent people. They talked us through a lot of things and had us make our own decisions. And um, having that philosophy of who, what do you want to do to um, make your life happy? What's, what, what's in your space? It was a really different conversation. I, I can't even explain it now uh, because I wasn't conscious that this was happening then. But what that did to where I am now is show me that I, to live in a world where there, we, there's people, one can't exclude people. We need people in our lives. But that did never mean to say that you should become a doormat or that when people slap you on one cheek, you give them the other cheek. Never once in my life I understood that. And, and so even as a, as a kid growing up in boarding school, I was helping save other people who, who, who allowed people to do that to them. And I would go and be the advocate and stand up for them and go, you know, that's not acceptable. I don't understand why you think that's okay. So I always had a huge respect for human life and, and each person's life. And I think that's something that we need to engender in our kids as we're bringing them up so that we can grow up into the adults who respect ourselves so that women don't get abused by men and, uh, you know, men don't get abused by their, by other people. And this whole thing of saying no goes from people's childhood, Michael. It really isn't a quick lesson. But what we do in the workshop is get them to sit down, look at how happy they are in a day, look at their boundaries, and look at what they really want, and, and get them to do a visualization of the life that they're dreaming of. And then we put a plan in place as to how are they going to get that? And what does it take? And maybe it might be removing some people from your life. It may be saying no more often. And it may bring some discomfort and pain in the beginning stages of your changes. 
but you have to ask yourself, what is the price that you're paying now? And what is the price that you're willing to pay to become much more assertive and to become more integrated in the world at the same time? It's a very challenging combination. Yeah, it, it definitely comes across to me as a, a complete balancing act. I mean, we use yeah. the idea of, of boundaries and things to allow us to, I guess, it, it allows us to be clear on what we can say yes and no to. Now, how, how do you distinguish between... You know, like the the receiving end of this is kind of where I'd like to go before we see how this touches on on your specialist area into the the networking side. Mm-hmm. So when you say no to someone with the the best explanation in the world, you know, mm-hmm. it's you, you've got a prior engagement and you don't want to to say yes to you, knowing full well that you then got to turn somebody else down and all of those types of things. What what would you say to someone on the receiving end of that to to encourage the the maintenance of a more positive relationship rather than suddenly going down this idea of like resenting that person for turning me down and and all of those types of things uh-huh really good point um because i know that a lot of people have difficulty with hearing no um And so uh, I would say to that person um, to really start looking at the human being inside of that person and not just look at them as the person in that moment who's saying no. You've known this person for a while, whether it be three months or three years or 10 years, you've known this person for a while, you've known a lot about them. And it's come to a point where, you know, he or she has had to say no to you. Um, Why is that affecting you so much? Um, You know, try to understand what that person is going through at the moment and maybe even ask more questions about, oh, that's interesting. Um, what, What exactly are you doing right now that has you so busy? I'm intrigued. You know, you must be involved in a lot of projects. What's going on for you? So now you turn the interest on that other person and you'd be surprised how much they will tell you if you really ask. And when you get a little deeper inside of that person's um, activities and, and you hear that they probably had, you know, somebody at home sick with cancer but never really wanted to talk about it and uh, had a child or had a child in hospital. And in addition to all the activities that she is doing in her work and community right now, um, you will see that it would have been very challenging for them to take on yet one more project. So take the focus away from you and get your ego out of the way and really take a deep breath and focus on that person and and try to understand where the no is coming from. And sometimes that no may be a reflection of how your relationship with that person has changed in the last three months. And you were not aware because you were so busy. And you can even ask, so, Jennifer, um, is, is there anything that I should know um, about, uh, you know, our activities together that maybe caused you to turn this down? 
because I would really like to have our relationship continue working well. Is there something that you think I should know? Is there something you can help me understand? You know, give them a chance. So it, it really allows you to go in a whole different space than you've ever gone before, rather than being so superficial and then going into your ego and going, oh my God, I can't believe she said no. And we have two days to go to this event and I have nobody. You know, that's not going to get you anywhere. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, just from, just from hearing what you said, I mean, I, I'm just going to echo a few things just because they, they really stuck out for me. But if anyone listening, I'd probably just re-listen to that bit, you know, because everything from the, the ego getting in the way to trying to see things through the other person's perspective to trying to deepen the, the relationship that you have rather than you know, just taking the no and walking away with all of these unanswered questions potentially. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a whole, it's just a different way of going about the same idea. I mean, it's, it's amazing what what you can do when you start seeing things through the other person's eyes. I mean, like one, one of the things that um, did stand out for me, and I guess it kind of summarizes the whole thing, is that it's never, it's never just no. You know, it's, it's never just the reason. It's never just them saying no to you. There's always a reason for it, no matter how big or how small. There's always there's always something going on. There's always that element of, like, what can you do about the fact that they've said no? Can you find out why? You find out more about the person? Are they really stressed out right now, which is why they don't want to add anything onto their plate? Maybe they've got projects their end that they're working on and then if, if they are stressed out you you might be able to alleviate some of that stress and then they might actually be able to take you up on what you wanted them to do in the first place exactly. so you can never so you can never really know unless you ask exactly. you know, the, 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 these are all things that that, that you said before and they, they all stand out because it's it's just a form of communicating that benefits both people rather than you just trying to get what what you want you know exactly. and um yeah exactly it it really it goes back to um personal development when 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 one has gone to many retreats i've been to many spiritual retreats i've done a lot of personal development work you know i've i've read you know books on you know some of the greatest life coaches and you know mentors like augmandino you know dating myself now so you know it tells you i'm just you know i'm way past the 50s i'm now going into my 60s here so it's 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 you you know you learn from the greats of the great Augmentino, Dale Carnegie. I mean, when they talked, talked about the greatest salesman in the world, and what he talked about was not how to sell. What he talked about was relationship building, was the value of caring. That's what Augmentino talked about, and all the great salesmen actually read that book. And Dale Carnegie always talked about. Um, showing an interest in others. You know, if you really want that relationship to go anywhere and to grow and you really want to be authentic in life and have relationships last for the rest of your life, you've got to show interest in the other people and take it off of yourself completely, not as a not as a thing to do, but genuinely so. Take it off from yourself. 
and be there for another human being. Look at them in the eyes. And, and when you think about that person, if you don't remember the color of their hair, the clothes they wear, you must remember the color of their eyes because you were genuinely looking into their eyes as you were listening to them. You know, I meet people for the first time everywhere and big hugs and tight hugs because after talking to that person for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I feel like I've known them forever. It happened just two nights ago again, you know, where we hugged and we know, and this woman's name is Colleen, and we know we're going to be friends for a long time. Yeah. Magic wow. happens. So talk us through how this because we have talked about a lot. So how, how does all of this play into your, your specialist area, what you help people with, which is networking? So, <coughs> excuse me. How does this play into the idea of, of networking and, and business networking, you know, spreading your, your message and networking with other people? Thanks, Michael. You know, you have really um, showed me something today. Uh, you've actually showed me how my childhood has affected what I do now. And um, I kept thinking it was my last few years of work and not realizing it started from a child. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You know, um, I see now that the reason... I uh, get such quality people to my networking events because I have networking events once a month and I do workshops once a month and I also do the ongoing one-on-one -on -one coaching um, with entrepreneurs on effective networking strategies. And um, every time I have an event, I am generally blown usually blown away by the quality of people that show up in that room and how beautifully synergized the speakers get with the participants this last one i had two speakers who i was coaching uh, on how to connect with your clients from the stage and uh, the third one was our keynote so to speak for a longer period which was 20 minutes and um, he was talking uh, on sharing with us some tips about a code on how to attract ideal clients without having to keep calling and chasing them. And by the time he was finished with his message, um, there were some people in the audience that were teary and so touched because what the other two speakers talked about and what he talked about were, were so heart-centered. And the whole gist of that day, of the messages of that day, was about truly connecting with people heart-to-heart -heart and not having an agenda in that moment when you meet a human being. So it resonated so much with my whole concept of the business called connecting you um, because when I started it I really wanted to not only teach people networking skills but to also encourage them to instill that desire of make sharing their connections with others so that each person can become more responsible for building a healthy business community so that we don't all have to rush out and go global within a year of business, that we can 
work very effectively and efficiently and prosperously in our own local communities and support each other and actually contribute to the economy where we live before we go out to support you know, another country somewhere else. So it, it, it brings me back to my bringing where charity begins at home. If we can be kind with one another at home, not yell and scream, not feel re resentful and share with one another and play nicely and actually learn to ask for what you want. If we could do all those things within the community, then it's not hard work. It's not left up to the community leaders or some uh, government leaders or some large business corporations. Each individual becomes um, a stakeholder in how healthy our business community becomes. So connecting you goes far beyond um, networking strategies. And um, when I talk about leveraging your connections, it's about people getting to know people so well that you know who your potential clients may be and you know who your connectors are and you even get to figure out who your influencers are. But it doesn't happen the first time you meet them. It takes time. It takes communication. It takes patience. It takes not having expectations in the first minute. Does not take away from your goals or your business plan. You must have those or else it's not a business. I've been told many times, yes, you, you must. You, you, it's not a hobby. It's a business. So you, it does not take away from your business. But your, your general mindset is about helping others. And um, Zig Ziglar said, you can get anything you want as long as you help somebody else get what they want. And, and, and so why did all these people who have been successful say that? It's not just a cliche. It's because that's what they've done. So I think a lot of people get confused with, um, you know, this whole idea of sharing and giving. And we're not Mother Teresa's. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Um, it's about having that heart-centeredness in the workplace, and so what I really do is get business owners to understand the value of networking effectively and use those connections well and also share those connections as much as possible so that everybody benefits. There is enough in the universe for everyone and we do not have to always compete. I know competition is healthy as well, but it's not that you live and breathe competition every day. It depends on how you use competition. So there's a place for everything. There's a time for everything. But overall, if, if we can really learn to support each other in business, I know that we can all be successful. We will not get to the same place at the same time, with, you know, with the same successes because we all have a different journey. But the point is we will all get there and that's a guarantee if we continue to serve one another and become servant leaders within our communities instead of being so single-minded and, and selfish with achieving our goals in business. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it was 
it was definitely something that, that I would agree with. I mean, I, again, I don't really want to repeat it because I, I think it's just everything, you know. All, all of what you've said was was something that something that hits home for me, I guess, and I'm sure it hit home for a lot of the the listeners as well. So, if you could, if you could summarise it, how would you? How would you summarise your your networking strategies along this idea of of giving and just not not getting too attached to this idea of return? How would you how would you summarise the whole the whole thing? Well, I would say um, you know get get the focus off of you. Um, understand that there are universal laws that are working for us um, that we don't have control over. But if we would employ some of the more humanistic values of how we treat others and how we work with others, those universal laws will come into play much more rapidly to impact every single one of us. And the, and the whole world could be a much happier, easier, more relaxed environment in which for us to work when we actually start understanding that every human being wants the same thing. We all want joy in our lives and we all want prosperity, and we all want to live a good life. But rushing to the front and stepping on others is not is going to deplete your joy. You may get the money, but it's, you're going to lose the joy. So that's a defeatist act right there. So I would say rethink your mindset and revise your strategies, reevaluate your goals, and restructure your approach and your plans so that networking and connecting can actually bring you, build you the business that you want without having to work so hard. And, and actually including a whole lot more people and helping a whole lot more people along the way. Very well put there, Rosa. Thanks for that. So if, if you could, rec- so if someone wanted to, to really get into this and they wanted to, to get into this idea of networking and connecting and just try to help as many people as they can and then essentially watching the, the returns happen in many different ways... Have you got any resources that people could use or any apps that people could, could take away and, and go away and practice using and get good at to help them with this idea of networking? Well, um, I haven't got any apps at this time. I started this about a year and a half ago. Even though I've been networking in the industry for 30 years, the business itself started a year and a half ago. 
So right now I have the monthly workshop, uh, which is called Your Ultimate Guide to Networking in Seven Easy Steps. And I have the one-in-one -one coaching um, where I do that as well over a three-month program. Um, but I do have a few resources that I'm now uh, putting together for um, on the website. It's not yet on the website. Um, and it's the list of engaging questions that people can ask when they go to a networking event uh, rather than only saying, what do you do? Because people feel a little confronted to answer, what do you do? Uh, it strictly talks about business. And, and uh, these engaging questions actually causes uh, and creates a conversation so that you get others comfortable. And a lot of people have gotten huge benefits from that in list of engaging questions. I also have a list of associations and cultural events that um, people can start looking at to start researching networking groups that they can join that I can email out until I get it set up on my website. So I would just, I would just say, you know, uh, send a message to my email and uh, for the time being or connect with me on Facebook and message me and I can get uh, these documents out to you and, and, and then talk about, you know, whether there's anything else, you know, that they'd like to learn about or hear about. Okay. Well, the, but by the time this goes out, it might actually be on the website because it might not go out for a good couple of weeks. So, oh, okay. so if, if you share your, your website, but mm -hmm. when your episode goes out, when this episode goes out, they will probably be able to, to access those, those things that you mentioned. So what, what is your website? Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, it's rosalokaising.com. So it's my first name, my last name.com, and I can spell that out for you. Yep, go for it. So it's R-O-S-A-L-O-K-A-I-S, as in saying, S ingh.com all right nice and that was the the questions that you can ask when you go to your networking events and also a list of events that you can go to where people do do network yeah yes associations and and uh, and so on that they can they can, conferences you know types of events that they can go to Right, nice, awesome. Well, I've got one one last question for you before we before we finish, and this is the question that I always finish with. So it is a little bit of a a routine that I want to get into, and it is: What do you want the world to know about you that you don't? Well, that we don't already know. Wow. Um. What do I want the world to know about me that you don't already know? I, um, I absolutely love kids. And, uh, and I, 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 would, I would do almost anything for a child because I believe that children need the most help because of their innocence. Um, adults, uh, we have a lot of knowledge and, and so on, but because kids are so young, 
and in the world, I feel that there's never enough that we can give to kids. And having said that, it, it, it so happens that I didn't have any kids of my own, but I have 17 nieces and nephews, and uh, I absolutely love them all as my kids. And I, I would do anything for kids to be happy. Well, that sounds like a very, very good way to finish. Thanks, Rosa, for being a guest on the show. Very good insights there. Very, very knowledgeable as always. I've, I've made loads of notes. Um, and hopefully I'll, I'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for being a guest on the show. Thanks very much, Michael. You were really insightful and I really enjoyed talking with you today. Thank you.